you know something special is going on. Anytime you see me in long pants, you know something special is going on. Something very, very special is going on today. We are going to be formally ordained into gospel pastoral ministry, Leo Paris. Some might wonder what the point of an ordination is. After all, Leo's been a man who's been faithfully serving Christ and his church for a number of years. He's a man who was already consecrated, already devoted to the Lord, already loves the church. So why an ordination? I want to make sure you understand what is not the reason for this. Uh, we are not ordaining Leo so that we can confer onto him some kind of elite spiritual status. Uh, we are not ordaining him to communicate to him some kind of greater access to God. We are not turning him into a priest or mediator between you and God. For there is one mediator between God and man, man. the man Christ Jesus. We believe in the priesthood of all believers. We believe that every single Christian is consecrated to God. Every single Christian has direct access to God. Every single Christian is gifted by God to serve Christ and His kingdom. We believe in the priesthood of all believers, but we don't believe in the pastorhood of all believers. We don't believe in the elderhood of all believers. We, we do believe the Bible teaches that there are some that Christ has given to the church who are called and qualified to lead the church and to shepherd the church and to feed the church and to guide the church in its mission. In the Bible, these men are called pastors or elders or overseers. All three of those terms are interchangeable in the Bible. And in the Bible, it is clear to us that there are times in the New Testament and there have always been times when men who have been called to pastoral ministry have had some kind of public recognition of that. In the New Testament, it was manifested in the laying on of hands and prayer among God's people. And so what we're going to do today is formally, publicly, in your presence and in God's presence, pray and consecrate this man to the things of God. I think there's value in this too because it shows in a very visible way that there is a very specific office, there's a very specific work to which Leo has been called by formalizing it with a ceremony, with prayer, with a moment like this. Everybody can see, you all can tell, something's going on here. Leo's about to start something that he hasn't started before. It's a very real work. Paul says, he who desires the work of an elder or overseer desires a very good thing. And we are publicly recognizing that. We're publicly recognizing this because, well, we want to make it clear to all of you that Risen Hope Church is part of a larger family of churches and partnership of churches. Warren Betcher, the new regional leader for the Northeast 
replacing me. <laughs> yes, you can applaud that. representing Sovereign Grace Churches. And in this way, we are declaring that we are a part of something bigger than the walls of this building and the circle that's right here of relationships. We are part of a family of churches. We are part of a denomination where there are commitments and values and convictions and doctrine and theology that matter to us. We wanted to be a part of a fellowship and partnership of churches where these things matter because it holds us accountable. Our knowledge of church history and our knowledge of what goes on in many churches is sufficient to warn us that when there is not accountability, churches very often go off the rails theologically, doctrinally, and their mission falters because they lose sight of the things that matter most. And so in this moment, Hattie Warren here, representing our denomination, our family of churches, we are, we are declaring again in a fresh way that we are, and Leo is committed to the things that we hold dear. And besides, it's good to do this because, well, Leo has worked hard and studied hard and served hard and been faithful. And the scriptures tell us to honor men like that. And so in this moment, we want to honor him and Missy at his side. Uh, for without her, we all know Leo would be. Amen. <laughs> you going to say. You can finish that sentence. We all know he would not be who he is. And so we do want to give honor to the Lord. So in just a moment, we are going to move into a service of ordination. But before we do that, we want to worship the Lord in our tithes and in our offering. We, we want to pause at this point in our worship and say to the Lord, Lord, we worship you with our lips. We worship you in prayer. Now we want to worship you through giving. So I'm going to ask the ushers if they would come and uh, going to receive our offering as an act of worship to the Lord. And if you are a guest and have filled out one of those cards, would you please just put that in the offering plate? That's really all offering basket. That's all we would like from you. You don't need to give to this. We're just grateful you are here. Let me let me pray that God would bless. Father, would you now come and fill us with your spirit so that we can give as an act of worship. Father, turn our tithe, our offering into praise. Hear it, receive it, Lord. It's an expression of our gratitude for all that you have done for us and given to us. And may this offering be used mightily in the advance of the gospel. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As the offering is being received, let me, uh, let me explain a little bit more about what has led up to this moment. 
was thinking about it this morning. Leo's parents, Pat and Lynn, uh, are first generation Christians. They came to faith while in college and in that moment a new spiritual family tree began. And that reminded me that I'm the son of first-generation Christians. My parents didn't come to faith until their late teens, in my dad's case, his mid-twenties. And a new spiritual family tree began. Leo and I have that in common. We have been entrusted with something. It's a privilege and it's a joy and it's a responsibility. Leo's preparation for this moment began, I am sure, before he was even born. As, while still in his mother's womb, he heard the gospel and heard her sing and heard her praise Christ and love the Savior that she had come to know. Heard her dad, his dad, leading and loving in the home. And then from the cradle, years of faithful parent, faithful parent. Then you add to that Covenant Fellowship Church, that church that is our sending church, that church that gave birth to this church, and gave birth to the church that Lauren and Kim are pastoring and many others. What nurture, what nourishing, what, what faithful pastoring and fellowship they received at Covenant, all of which feeding into this moment. And then there was so much care from the elders at Covenant, so much stewarding of Leo's gifts and Leo's abilities, and, and then the sending of Leo and Missy to the pastor's college, and then bringing them back here, and them back here, and seeing them plug into the life of the church here and be a blessing to so many. And then there were the exams. I'm here to tell you these exams aren't easy. Years of study and preparation, but by God's grace, Leo passed. Actually, uh, I think Leo got the academic award at the pastor's college. And I think in, I think in my... Uh, tenure as regional leader, he got the highest grades on the ordination exams of anyone in the region. Uh, so he's been a man who studied hard and prepared well. And besides all of that, he has his wife's endorsement. And we want you to hear that's pretty important to us. Because if we didn't have this, all the rest of it wouldn't count. If what he professes and lives and studies is not consistently manifested in the home and with his family, then he's not yet ready to leave the church. But we have her testimony and we want you to hear it. So Missy, if you would come, please.
is my privilege today to stand before you as Leo's wife, and it's my honor to commend him to you all in this incredibly precious and meaningful day for our family. I hope my Not grasping or clinging to it. 
And as God graciously has brought us along on this journey, Leo has remained rightfully in awe of what is taking place. He doesn't feel entitled to it, and he knows it's not something that he has earned. It is not that. It is God's unmerited favor and kindness to bless him with this opportunity. And he continues to invest whatever time and resources he has to study and learning because he knows that this day won't serve anyone if he doesn't. Finally, Leo is a peacemaker, or even more specifically, a peace giver. Leo shows me more clearly than anyone else can the unending and forgiving love of Christ. He does not treat me as my sinful anger deserves, um, and he is quick to extend mercy to me. When he is convicted of sin, he pursues me quickly and confesses transparently. He honors the role God has given me in his life by valuing my input on how we can change and grow as a family. In our home, his presence is felt and essential. He is active in the discipline and instruction of our boys, creating order and peace in our life together. He regularly takes time to train them in the Word. He often honors me or commends me in front of them so that he can teach them through his example how to love me and respect me as a woman and as a mother. He knows that the primary place for his pastoral ministry is felt first in his own home. He knows that his family is the first and foremost recipient of his pastoral care, and he makes sure that we know that by his presence, his leadership, and his prayers for us. Leo, I love all this and more about you. Please receive this commendation not as a boast of your perfection, because we both know that you are not perfect. <laughs> preach. Preach. Maybe don't preach. But Christ has and continues to do a great work in you, a visible, measurable, experiential work. And one day that work will stand completed and perfect. Until then, I am grateful to be your test subject and practice run for pastoral <laughs> Uh, comes from Acts 
chapter 20, verse 28, which is taken from Paul's final words to the Ephesian elders, his charge to a group of elders uh, who were pastoring the church that he had planted. The first part of the charge is pay careful attention to yourself. Pay careful attention to yourself. Pastoral ministry is a dangerous calling. We're warned from the scriptures that not many of us should be teachers because we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. We know more. We have greater knowledge. To whom much is given, much will be expected, much will be required. As one writer put it, a great man cannot commit a small sin. We're more likely to sin against greater knowledge and sin with greater hypocrisy. And if judgment begins in the household of God, first in line will be the pastors who are in charge over the household of God. So pay careful attention to yourself. You may preach or teach for 45 minutes at a time, but your life is a living, non-stop, active sermon. People will learn from you, brother, as much or more through the way you live and hearing what you preach. So be careful that you don't destroy with your life what you build up with your words. To paraphrase the Puritan pastor Richard Baxter, make sure you be what you persuade others to be. That you believe what you persuade others to believe and that you heartily embrace the Savior that you call others to embrace. It's a weighty charge to pay careful attention to yourself. Who is sufficient for these things? So I charge you, my friend and my brother, to pray continually and not rely on yourself but on God who raises the dead. I charge you to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and at the proper time he will lift you up. I charge you as the youngest man on this pastoral elder team to set an example for the other believers all around you in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. And I charge you to remember that Jesus Christ is the one who ultimately builds his church, not us. And it belongs to him and not us. Remember that you need seasons of rest to be recharged, to be refreshed. We can't do it all, but God, the church is in the Lord's hands. Remember to be faithful to what the Lord has already called you to be. But long before you are a pastor, you are a husband, you are a father. So pay careful attention to yourself. Second part of Paul's charge is to pay careful attention to all the flock. It's dangerous to be a pastor because like the prophet Ezekiel, we are called to be watchmen. We have spiritual responsibility over those under our care. A watchman stands guard and sounds the alarm when disaster is coming. And as pastors, we sound the alarm, warning, encouraging, exhorting that God, Jesus Christ, is coming soon. And he is coming as a God of righteous judgment. So I charge you to declare the whole counsel of God, to be ready in season and out of season, that the message of the gospel, that there is a bruised and bloodied Savior who died on the cross under the wrath of Almighty God as the only hope for sinners, that the message of the gospel, that God commands all people everywhere to repent because there's a day in which he's coming to judge the world in righteousness, that this message of the gospel is offensive then, as it is offensive now. So I charge you to boldly and fearlessly to declare this gospel, to know nothing except Jesus Christ and Him crucified, that the gospel, this good news of Jesus Christ, the only hope for sinners, would be flowing 
through your veins. It would be oozing out of your pores. That it would be the aroma of your life, brother. And I charge you to, by the authority that the Lord has invested in you as an elder, shepherd, as an overseer, to shepherd the flock of God, to care for the weak, to search out the lost, and to correct the sheep who are straying into error, and of course to train others to do likewise. Charge you to pay careful attention to all the flock which Christ has sent you as an overseer. Finally, I charge you to serve the Savior, serve our Lord Jesus Christ in such a way that when you see Him one day, you will hear those words we all long to hear. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your Master. one more in a long line of men who have been set in to the governments, the pastors, the care and the oversight of your church through the ages, many men of many races and ethnicities and nationalities and education and life stories. Some who are known and honored, most who have served faithfully and have gone to be with you largely forgotten and unnoticed in this world. But you, don't forget. Lord, you know your servants. Lord, you know the specific weight that is carried by a man who is willing to 
stand up in the church and say, I will serve. So, Lord, we stand here today and we are humbled that you have given this church, this man as a pastor. But we thank you for the good soil of gospel life in his family that he was born into. Lord, that, that he grew up in an environment where your name was honored and your church was loved and the mission of the gospel was paramount. And he's lived in those values and seen and lived out before him, Lord. And you placed him from an early age in a church where the gospel was preached. And leadership was honored, but not exalted. And the body of believers carried forth the mission of the gospel into the community. And you learned there, Lord God, and you, in your good timing, brought him to you. Opened his eyes to see his need, to see that growing up in the church is not the same as following Jesus. You opened his eyes, you captured his heart, you forgave his sin, and you set him on the path of discipleship, Lord, and he would say that it wasn't always a smooth and straight path. There were highs and lows and confusion and Clarity and yet you kept it, Lord. So Leo's a man who stands here today knowing that nothing he has has he done on his own. That he has been the recipient of grace. He knows that he stands here today having fulfilled the responsibilities that come with being a candidate for eldership, that he has passed the test, both formal and informal, that he has been recognized by his church as a man who is meant to lead. And so we pray for him right now. We thank you for the grace of God that is conferred through ordination. That there's a tangible difference that's made, Lord God, when a man is sent into ministry. We pray that he would not disdain that. We pray that he would not live in ungodly ways under that. That instead he would welcome, without fear, without pride, the call to ministry. That you would make him an effective overseer. That he would govern in the church effectively and righteously, and wisely, and for the sake of your people, Lord, we pray that you would make him an effective pastor, that he would teach, and preach, and counsel, and guide, and feed well among this flock, Lord, and that you would make him an effective overseer and elder, that you would make him a man who grows in wisdom and stature before the eyes of the people. And the people would have no problem saying, this man is an elder of God among us. And I pray that you would do these things and preserve him for a long life of ministry. 
Lord, I pray that you protect him from turning this into a job. From turning it into a vocation. From turning it into a platform. From turning it into a place where his identity is fixed. That he would keep his identity in you. That he would see the privilege of eldership as not the same as paid ministry. That you would aspire not to being paid, but to being faithful. And if that time came where in, the, in your kind providence you laid him aside from the ministry for any reason, that he would be grateful for the time he's had and support those who replace him as necessary. We are all expendable, Lord. Minister is meant to stand in his congregation and be the last man standing if necessary. Help him to be that kind of man. Help him to love his family more dearly than he loves the church. But let nothing, no other love come above that. We ask for your kindness and grace. Inflame his gifts. Stir his heart. Build his foundations. In Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. to be able to introduce you to Warren Dutcher. Some of you know Warren from way back. He actually pastored a number of you at Covenant Fellowship Church back in the 90s, correct? And then a number of years ago was sent out from Covenant to Marlton, New Jersey to plant Southern Grace Church in New Jersey uh, and has been there ever since. God has been using him faithfully. Lauren is one of my best friends. He is uh, my first connection to Sovereign Grace Churches uh, and has blessed and served my heart and Galen's heart so faithfully over these last almost 20 years now. And he is the man replacing me, who has replaced me as regional leader uh, so that my attention can focus here with you folks. Uh, great debt owed to this man, and now I think as one of his first official tasks as regional leader, he is here to uh, lead Leo into the vows and to lead us as well. So, Brother Warren, if you would please come. Back in the nineties. It just sounds so old. <laughs> I was just at my 40th high school reunion, which also sounds old. And uh, people said to me, boy, you haven't changed at all. 
So actually, I, I thought it was a compliment until I said, because at 22, you look the same as you do now. <laughs> I thought, okay, that's, that's not as helpful. <laughs> it is great to be here with you. Uh, I have heard much of this church um, since my friend, good friend Tim, has been here. His love for you and your love for him uh, is just such a blessing. But I've heard much of God's grace in your midst. It's one thing to hear, I've now seen it. And so now there's a, a story I have to tell to go back to our church um, of what God's grace is doing in this church. So to hear about it is great and to see it is better. So it's good to see you today. It's good to be here to celebrate this moment with you today. Um, the word earlier in the service of you being a light because of the unity you share in the gospel. Uh, yeah, this church is going to be a light. But not just a light in Jacksonville. Delaware County, you're going to go beyond that. You're actually strengthening our family of churches. So there's things happening here that are going to have an impact beyond your doors. And you may not be aware of that, but God's watching. Amen. Amen. God doesn't miss anything. So thank you. Thank you for your faithful testimony of the gospel. Thank you for embracing the grace of God. Thank you for how you love one another. Thank you for your commitment to gospel mission. It, it's also a joy to be here because I've known Leo and Missy their entire lives. In fact, before they were born, I was going to say I knew them in the room, but actually I didn't know them then. Uh, I knew the idea of them at that moment. Uh, but I've known them all their lives. So I've heard them cry. Um, there's all sorts of things uh, that I've heard uh, with them and experienced with their families. I've their families. Um, we have camped together uh, with the parishes and many memories with that uh, that are great. And then the farmers and us have been friends for many, many years, over 30 years. So um, it's a joy to celebrate and to share this with them. Much has been said today already so well. Tim, your thoughts be long. Missy, your honoring of your husband and the truths you shared wasn't just honoring your husband. It was the gospel truths you shared in how you honored your husband. Uh, it was so meaningful. Alex, wow. I like that. Well, there's nothing more to be said. But there are some things that happen. And this is what happened. That is going to be the vows that Leo is going to now take. And then also he was a church going to take. So this is important. And this is part of what we do is our family of churches. Since that we're not out here just doing it alone. And there's people that are praying for you. You're going to pray for people that you're never going to meet. And people are praying for you, they may never meet you. But we really are a family of churches, you know, seeking to see the gospel of Jesus Christ just expand uh, to a world that desperately needs it. So, Leo, if you could come back up. And you'll just answer the following questions with affirmative yes or I do. So, I do would be fine if you do this. Um, so. Leo, do you promise to shepherd the flock of God, not under compulsion, but willingly, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being an example to the flock? Do. do you promise to faithfully guard the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer? And do you promise to protect that flock from false teaching, division, and dissension? Do you promise to care for the flock of God, 
not as a hireling or a mere professional, but as an under-shepherd of the great shepherd, caring for his sheep as the precious ones for whom he died. To you, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and this congregation, promise to preach the word in season and out of season. And to you promise to reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience, enduring suffering while remaining sober-minded in all of your preaching and teaching, and when you do the work of an evangelist among those with whom God has given you charge. That was a lot of that one. <laughs> Do you declare sincerely before God that you believe that all the articles and points of doctrine contained in the sovereign grace statement of faith fully agree with scriptures? Do you own that statement as the statement and confession of your faith? And do you promise to teach and defend these doctrines in public and private? I do. Do you promise further that if in the future you come to have reservations about any of these doctrines, you will share these reservations with your eldership and the regional assembly of elders. I do. Do you promise to keep a close watch on yourself, to walk humbly before others, to be self-suspicious of your own motives, to invite criticism from others, and to make yourself accountable to those whom God has put in your life? Do you submit without exception to the explicitly mandated practices of the Sovereign Grace Book of Church Order, affirming that the form of that government is wise and a suitable application of scriptural principles? Do you promise to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel, to show yourself in all respects in action and in speech to be a model of good works? integrity and dignity so that neither the church nor our Savior Jesus Christ nor the gospel may be brought into reproach. Yeah. Do you promise to continually seek the gifts of the Spirit that you might serve God's people not in the energy of the flesh but in the power of the Holy Spirit and to carry out your ministry without fear of man. Now I'm going to charge you as a congregation. These will be your vows. You can answer these by answering we will. Do you, or we do, excuse me, we can say it that way. Do you, the people of Risen Home Church, fully receive Leo Paris as your now ordained pastor? We do. Do you promise to receive the word of truth from him with meekness and love? and to submit to him in the due biblical exercise of his leadership. We do. Do you pledge to supply him with sufficient material support as you are able, and to furnish him with whatever you may see needful for the promotion of the gospel and for his comfort among you? We do. Do you promise to encourage him in his labors, to assist him in his ministry and leadership for your spiritual edification, the evangelization of the lost, and the promotion of God's glory. Amen. Thank you for doing that. Leo, this is, this is a solemn moment. It's solemn because of the charges you receive, the vows you've made. God loves his people, that's you. 
These are his sheep. They belong to him. He died for them. He purchased them with his own blood. It is a solemn occasion, but it is a joyful privilege. My brother, you are about to engage in a joyful privilege to serve God's people, to love them, to bring them God's words. So we have two items for you. Uh, one gift. The other one's really not a gift because you earned it, and that is your ordination certificate. Uh, so you can come over here. You have, you have earned this and well earned this, so this will be your certificate. Signed by Mark Frater, myself, and Tim Shore. I've heard many say to me this week at my school as I've told my students, I'm 
being ordained this way. They said, I'm so excited for you. And I'm grateful for the support. But today isn't really about me. It isn't a day that only celebrates one man's ordination. This is a day that's about the multiplied, multifaceted, multidirectional grace that is in this room and in countless other places for people who weren't able to attend today. Today is a day about God's glory and His sovereign and truly glorious purposes. It's a day where we get to celebrate His masterful weaving of the fabric of the many stories of our lives. All of us knit together in varying degrees of strength, but all connected by the same grace of God. You're a part of this ordination today. God's grace is in you and has flowed through you to me. Risen Home Church, I couldn't be a pastor without a flock. But more than that, you haven't just called me to eldership. You've enthusiastically encouraged me these past two years and humbly allowed me to lead despite my youth and limited experience. So many of you eagerly listening as I preach the word, asking for counsel in ways that just baffle me. Your humility is inspiring, and your confidence in God's work in me is faith-building. I can't wait to continue to learn from you and lead you, to love and be loved by you, and to hold each other accountable to following God's word and truth. Particularly Alex and Tim and Andy, the way you men have allowed me to have a seat at the table even before eldership. To weigh in, to learn, to share my thoughts, and to, to just pour encouragement into me. It's been so But my call to ministry began at a much earlier date than two years ago when Risen Hope was started. Um, I'm not sure it was in the womb. Um, but yesterday I was finally unpacking and organizing my books. This is a no joke, so, so I know it's been a little bit of time. But as I opened the front cover of many of my books, I saw handwritten notes from individuals who had given me these books over the years. I was surprised to see some names. Uh, the first one was from Dave Harvey, uh, one of the most influential men in my past. Uh, it was in high school that Dave, my senior pastor at the time, began sending me books on biblical leadership to disciple him at that young age. I didn't ask him to. And reach out to him, but he just felt led by the Spirit of God to send these books, and they showed up on my door one day. And as I continued to look through my books, other names began to emerge. Kenny Lynch, Jamie Leach, Joseph Stegora, Joel Shuru, Jared Mellinger, Marty Machowski, Andy Farmer, Tim Shore, Bob Coughlin, Jeff Perspo, and many others who signed the front cover of the book of my life in many ways. This is just one evidence of the deposit that's been made in my life by men and women better than myself. And I echo Tim's words. There's been a deposit that I see and I feel the weight of that. There are so many that have gone before me and I've been a beneficiary of their discipleship. Um, some examples, preaching labs, small groups, worship teams, community groups, youth ministry, leadership teams, the Sovereign Grace Pastors College, and so many other means of grace. This day is about God's grace played out to each of you 
thanks to my friends and my heroes. It wasn't just pastors in my life that I received grace from. There were women who once changed my diapers, who began telling me they loved hearing me preach the word of God. They were opening up about struggles at work, asking me to pray. The heroes of the faith in my eyes, pouring grace into my life. Men whose marriages I had only seen through the eyes of an adolescent suddenly became vivid as they talked about the intentional ways they cared for and led their wives and were honest about the struggles that they faced. My heroes of faith, pouring grace into my life. And the many friends that grew with me through the immaturity, through the foolish words that bore my sin on them and yet still encouraged me to follow the call of ministry. Heroes. God continued to shape me and mold me by the father and mother-in-law that he gave me, Andy and Joe Farmer. They didn't just protect their daughter, though there was a wee bit of that. Uh, they also discipled me. Jill continuously asked me questions about my career plan and work, and she sharpened me and continues to sharpen me by her example of endless service. Literally, I'm not sure she sleeps. Um, and her gift of hospitality. Andy initiated reading theological books together and never played the I'm on my off day card when I pestered him with theological or ministry questions. They love listening on. Tristan and Lincoln Jenner's both financially and relationally. And honestly, making me feel like a biological son. My siblings, in law or not, consistently pointing me towards the Lord and sharpening me by their example of suffering well, of hospitality, selflessness, evangelism, and true friendship. Besides my wife and Melissa, there are no greater means of grace in my life than my parents. Mom and Dad, where are you? Uh, clearly still have boys' eyes, Mom. <laughs> Mom and Dad, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9 says this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Mom and Dad, you have loved the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. I saw it, I see it, and I want to be like it. I want to be like you. You faithfully taught me these things. You'd think it would be through Bible studies, memory verses, or catechisms that I received these commands. But honestly, I can say the biggest impact came from other means through my parents. We sang Bible verses, listened to Bible cassette tapes, and just dated myself there. 
And I'm pretty sure I still have like a billion Bible books from memory verses that I But it was more the God-honoring culture that you set for the home and the intentional and dedicated commitment you demonstrated to the local church that most clearly communicated to me who God is and how to honor him in my life. Mom, the way you supported Dad through the loss of our savings still shapes how I support missing your tribe. Dad, the courage and perseverance you showed in responding to financial trial with faith showed me what it looks like to act like a man, to take ownership, to shoulder the weight of the burden, to care for your family, even out of your knees. Your marriage and your parenting continue to inform my love for Missy, Tristan, and Lincoln. Dad, thank you for always pushing me towards ministry, for seeing in me the call before I was willing to admit it, and constantly encouraging me. Mom, thank you for your support and your honest challenges along the way. You faithfully called me out when I needed to be. And thank you both for the way you're joyfully calling me to be the pastor of your church. I don't know if that's legal, to be honest, <laughs> but it's awesome. Uh, and I just feel so, so humbled by that act. I love you both, and I'm so grateful for you. But listen, listen to Cole Paris. Where would I be without you? Everybody knows you're gifted. You can sing. And that's another thing. You create things with ease that others take years to be able to make. That's not even 1% of why it's incredible to be married. You have an incredible heart for others. Serving in ways and numbers of hours that I find baffling. You can't hear a cry for help. Or see someone in distress without wanting to get everything to love them. I love that about you. Where would I be without your encouragement, appreciation, and gospel love? No matter what happens at work on a particular day, I know when I return home, I will encounter open arms, the warmth of your kiss, and a clairvoyant view of God's faithfulness. I'd be a shell of the man I am today without your affirmation. While others might see a brave face, you know the vulnerable and trembling face. And you meet me where I'm at and encourage me with the love of Jesus. Where would I be without your loving criticism? Seriously. You pull no punches and take no prison. <laughs> and I need that. I need that. Don't stop. Without you, my opinion of myself would be extremely exaggerated. <laughs> I'd down in a good way. And my view of God would be far too small. Keep me in proportion. Thank you for holding me accountable. Where would I be without your counsel? You're the first person I go to in the most value. Cherish your perspective as my co-heir to the grace of life. But today, most of all, I'm aware of your sacrifice. 
Years ago, you struggled with the concept of you becoming a pastor. But you continued praying, seeking counsel, stepping out in faith as we entered community group leadership. We joined a church plan, went to the pastor's college, and now are with me in ordination just three years after. And you're not begrudgingly here. We're just embodied but not in spirit. I feel your support. And I marvel at the growth that I've seen in the faith you demonstrate. And I'm grateful that the Lord has given me to you and you to me as my soulmate for the rest of our lives. You've sacrificed more than anyone else, more than me, to allow this day to happen. And it's through you most of all that I've felt the grace of God. Married up. And I'm so glad you said, it, said yes eight years ago. And I love it. All the people I've mentioned have been means of grace that God has used to do the work that's led to this day today. Left to ourselves, this would never happen. Father, without your all-wise guiding hands, we would have gotten our way a thousand times. Only to realize that your way is better. Father, your ways are marvelous in our eyes and receive the glory of this ordination that you planned for your church since before the foundations of the universe were set in place. Jesus, without your work of condescending from heaven to suffer in life and death and raise from the dead for each of us, this day would not happen we'd all still be facing the wrath that you quenched on that tree. Each of us stand forgiven, justified, and in a personal relationship with you if we believed in you because of what you've done. And it's in you, Jesus, that we find our true unity. It's in union with you that we're truly being weaved together into the tapestry of God's plan. Spirit, Without you, we would still be dead in our transgressions and sins and enmity against one another. We stand in awe of all you've done, Father, Son, and Spirit. And we're dependent on your grace now and into the future. Eager to see your continued faithfulness in our lives. May you receive the glory.